Right. Hi everyone, this is Faye from Faze World Media and today I have a very special guest, Dan Kelton from Plexicam.com. Check it out, it's my secret weapon of finally be able to uh, you know, make eye contact and look into the camera. It doesn't matter whether you use Zoom, Google Meet, whatever it may be, it is amazing. But um, I got to meet Dan really through a few people, which is kind of interesting. I didn't realize that we have so many shared connections um, so I, we're here to today to talk about Plexicam. We're also here to talk about online courses because so many of you guys, you know, and myself included, have a lot of questions around creating effective, um, you know, online courses and, and really help people go from point A to B and to be able to market that to the right audience. So um, Dan happened to have a ton of experience in doing that. So we're, I'm just really excited that you're here. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Faye. It's great to be on here. And by the way, before we get too far, I have to say what you're doing with this whole 30 days of content every day is uh, blowing my mind. I feel really, really lazy. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Dan. There are, there are days that are, that are hard. We could get into that, too. Um, but, you know, sometimes people say it takes 30 days. Who knows? 60 days sometimes to get into a habit and this was a right. challenge for me because like you, I think we have so many similarities. Like I'm interested in a lot of things. It's hard for me to focus on one thing for an extended period of time. And yeah. I like to just be, you know, parallel this, that. And sometimes like I try to finish as much as I can, but it's not always easy. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Good job though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so let's jump right in to the first topic today. And if you guys are watching live wherever you are, feel free to leave a comment. You don't have to show your face. It's super casual. And um, if you have any questions, we'll try to address them directly live right here. If not, you know, uh, after the session, we'll also definitely pay attention to the comments section too. But um, Dan, if you don't mind, do you, do you, um, could you please maybe talk about your experience related to uh, course content creation and marketing from your previous experiences? Yeah, so I think it's it's funny. So as we were talking before, um, in in the book that Tom and I wrote, and Tom's my business partner for Plexicam, mm -hmm. uh, we talk about treating the world as your classroom, and it's essentially about lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. So the things that, for example, my kids who are sixteen and nineteen can take advantage of right now, you know, mm -hmm. didn't exist. Like I had a, I had an uh, because my dad was a chemistry professor, my stepmother was an English teacher. I had a full Encyclopedia Britannica for anybody who still remembers what that was at home, which was, mm -hmm. that was pretty rare, right? Um, you know, now we all, anybody in the world has access to more information than that. And it's way more up to date because those, you know, it's expensive to publish <laughs> updated hardcover books in, in new volumes. Um, so I think the, you know, the, tre the trend overall has been like, why does it take two years in the United States to get an MBA? Whereas in most other countries, it only takes one year. It's not, I don't think the U.S. is twice as good in their MBAs. And I don't think the, the other countries are half as good as the U.S. for MBAs. Um, it, we've gotten a lot better at how do you convey information to somebody else. So things like video, it used to be hideously expensive to be able to do this on your own as an individual. You know, if, if the pandemic had happened 10 years ago, what would everybody have done <laughs> mm -hmm. for the last almost two years? So um, I think, you know, so I like to look at past past history and how did we get to where we're getting at, partly because, you know, some of it's antiquated and it's not worth talking about. There's a lot of core concepts, though, 
among them. And I do believe that you learn some of the most deep and sometimes painful lessons when you fail. <laughs> mm. uh, I, I partnered with a former colleague to, I, I had to pay to stand up a learning platform, which at the time was $10,000 to set that up, which is essentially now free. You can use some other service yeah. and cost you barely anything, certainly not 10 grand. And he was an expert in e-discovery, which is all about how do you find legal information that you need to produce in court because you're being sued as a company or whatever. And he was an acknowledged expert. He had his own e-discovery magazine, had a pretty large following. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like we could repurpose his content, the, the course that he already had that he would do in person, and deliver it on our platform. And after a year, we got zero people that bought that course mm. on the site. And for that case, it's because uh, it was targeted towards legal professionals. But if you didn't offer credits that they could apply to the constant renewal of their proof that they are staying on top of things, mm -hmm. it was useless to them. I mean, it might have been great content, but professionally, as far as ticking off the box, totally, <laughs> totally useless. Interesting. So if we had done the research up front to realize mm -hmm. that that was a, a major problem, we could have done something to fix that. But, you know, it was it was too late. Um, the good news is that he had existing content. So really turning it into video was not an issue. It was on a heavy lift like a day or two. Mm -hmm. But it was pointless. <laughs> so don't do that. Do some research up front. That's so important. And, and Dan, I will apologize in advance. Like I tend to sometimes cut people off because I, you know, like we're onto something really interesting and I have a follow up question. And mm -hmm. which is let's talk about the the research and these these days we call it, we give it a ton of names, right? Like what is your client avatar persona and how do you target the right audience? And, right. Um, you know, I, I definitely have sort of a mixed feelings towards like the way that we've been educated about how to even go about this type of research work because it's absolutely necessary, but it's not always trivial. And as a result, a lot of people kind of hold themselves back to say, I don't want to create that course where nobody gets to take. So I'm just going to avoid doing that. It's embarrassing. Versus, right. right, like what I have learned uh, now that I've been creating content for, you know, seven plus years and really longer, if you count the prior to Face World podcast days, I realized I made so many mistakes along the way, but sometimes it's so much more helpful to actually create and launch a course, like for me, like a micro course, like a starter course, and then enhance it and build from there to create a signature course and course correct, course correct, as, yeah. uh, <laughs> as we go along. Like, yeah. Please share some of your thoughts too. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's always tempting for anybody. I don't know if it's tied to like, you know, fixed versus growth mindsets, mm -hmm. potentially somewhat, but it can be, you know, anytime you start something new, especially that's going to hit the public, mm -hmm. you know, there's got to be, unless, unless you have different genes than I do, there's a little bit of trepidation that, mm -hmm. you know, one, nobody will care. They won't even see it. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Two, that they'll rip you to shreds, you know. Yeah. Three for me is, oh, we found an audience and they like it. And, and then getting, you know, there's far more people that sit on the sidelines and aren't vocal. So how do you know that, mm -hmm. you know, you just go like if you're looking at YouTube stats, are you only looking at the number of hours used, which is useful to a certain extent. But if you're if you're trying to sell something and you put like a teaser out there to test the water, mm -hmm. unless you've gotten sales <laughs> or some kind of inbound leads that you can capture and work on how do you know if it's you know is that a real thing or not but you you have to one way or another you know it's it's 
it feels painful to me personally every time I do something like this. But until you put it out there and you try to see what anybody's, you know, what the reaction is going to be, then mm-hmm. you're never going to know. And there's not a, you know, that's the minimum vile product or minimum lovable product as the more enlightened people I think are saying these days. Lovable? M- minimum yeah. lovable product? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So if it, you know, because anybody can start up a, you know, some badly baked you know, mm-hmm. thing that people can react to. And, you know, I used to do UX work and do paper sketches and all that kind of stuff. And that's useful because it's, you can acknowledge with the paper that it's throwaway, you know, like, oh, what do you think of this? Oh, it's mm-hmm. terrible. Okay. What do you think of this? Let's, let's get another one. If I had a bin like uh, Mark Bowden, I would dump out my, my past examples. <laughs> But you, you have to put content out there and just, you you know, build it and it will, will come. You know, anybody can, there's, I don't know, there's more content being uploaded to YouTube every minute right now than previously existed in the world, you know, a year yeah. ago. So it's, uh, you have to put whatever you feel is, like, wherever your strongest is, is my opinion, whether it's, for me, typically LinkedIn, because I've been there in a long time, and that feels like more of the, a home for me. Um it could be YouTube, it could be Facebook, whatever. Mm-hmm. But wherever you already seem to have some sort of audience, that's where you should launch whatever it is that lets you test the theory that mm-hmm. somebody's going to care about a course, whether it's short or long. Mm-hmm. And you maybe you give it away or it, it's a dollar instead of the 99 or 500 or, or whatever you're, you're planning on actually charging for it. Mm-hmm. Partly because once you get somebody to give money, even a dollar, there's a psychological effect there that they have paid something that has a value therefore, and they treat that differently than just a giveaway. Mm-hmm. And that's, especially with digital stuff, that's, that's very important. Cause it, you know, it's nothing, you know, they, I could give everybody free access to all sorts of stuff, but if they never go and they don't feel like it has value at any point in that, mm-hmm. in that then it's kind of pointless. So that's, you got to test something. Maybe it's an article. Maybe it's just a three-minute video talking about here's what I'm planning on covering in this course. Mm-hmm. What am I missing? You know, ask for feedback up front and see what you can do to to jumpstart that. Because shooting blind is a real bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think just like you said, to kind of recap in case people missed it. Um, if you're just hopping on now, you know, Dan made a really good point of testing on whichever platform that you're most comfortable with, you know, whether that be YouTube, which is for me, maybe on TikTok for some of you guys. Um, and also TikTok and YouTube shorts are really short, right? Under one minute. I mean, these is under three minutes. You really get to test out your content pretty quickly, like without having to like overthink it. In fact, I have seen some really popular uh, TikTok and YouTube shorts content. I mean, it's literally somebody holding the phone and talking into the camera without yeah. fancy editing or music in the background, all, all the toolkits uh, flashing around. You can still test your content. Um, eventually, you might want to adapt to a certain platform such as, you know, TikTok has a very unique way of attracting people, keeping it short, right. sounds, affects people moving. There are a lot of uh, movements in general, but it's not always the case with every platform. Yeah. Well, I think TikTok is, that's interesting because there's also, there's a, there's a different vibe essentially to each platform. So TikTok is very forgiving of, you know, you can have truly terrible looking content. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I have not personally mastered the selfie and <laughs> inevitably anything that smells like a selfie, I'm not getting my whole face. You know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. definitely not you know lined up correctly, but it's the expectations of people on that platform 
they're going to watch you for 10 or 30 or 60 seconds or something like that. And that's it. And then they're on to the next thing. So if you want high volume of feedback, assuming it's something that TikTok audiences might recognize, then, uh, you know, the, the faster you can get feedback, the more quickly you can, you know, you got some feedback on your first video, which looked terrible by, by everybody's mm -hmm. acknowledgement, but it caught somebody's attention and they wrote something useful or, you know, did a duet or whatever uh, makes sense. And then you take that and feed it back in again. And it's super low stakes because, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there are literally millions and millions of people out there that are creating garbage that is worse than whatever you've thought of is, is your worst content. So that to me seems like a, a pretty risk-free approach as long as you don't let, let your ego get in front of you like TikTok is only for teenagers, right? Where it's only mm -hmm. for people who have dance moves or something like that. None mm -hmm. of which is true. Like I've, I've learned a ton about I'm not a handy person for fixing anything in my house. There's a remarkable number of plumbers and contractors that have really great tips that you can watch in 30 seconds and you're like, oh, wow, I've always wondered why that is. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, just these platforms are fantastic. No cost. Get it out there. Without getting feedback, you have nothing to build on. Yeah, exactly. The feedback, I think we're onto like, how do you start? Where do you get ideas? And those questions come up all the time. Hey, if you guys are watching, let us know if you have any questions about how to get started with content creation and how to help people stay engaged, which is something we also are going to talk about. Like, how do you finally create something and make sure people don't, don't abandon your course? But yeah. a little bit more on uh, course creations and a lot of the experts, you know, world-class experts. So we'll have these conversations about like, hey, I know I've been, you know, I speak about this on stage, off stage. I just don't know if I have enough content for my course or if I'm actually providing what people are looking for. So I, I personally find, Dan, I'd love to hear your ideas too. I mean, these days you go into any Reddit community, subreddit, especially subreddit, mm. you know, some of um, yep. my female friends, you know, recently, you know, uh, gave birth to, to, you know, having newborns and all of a sudden they belong, like people are never imagined to even consider Reddit or now part of a subreddit. And for me, a lot of my Zoom videos are, you know, very popular. So sometimes I'm, you know, I, I lead with my emotions and my experience, but it's not always correct. Instead, lately, I noticed that within the Zoom community blog, community section on their website, there are a ton of questions submitted on the daily, but their customer service uh, reps are not responding to any one of them. Uh, but instead, okay. community driven. And yeah. there are also some spams, but there's kind of no official way of answering questions, which often are related to a certain, you know, limitation. So um, in, in short, what I'm trying to say that if you're getting started, sometimes it's easier to pick something that people are already using, whether it's Zoom, Google Meet, maybe it's Excel, PowerPoint, who knows. And mm. instead of focusing on the primary features, features that work really well, which everybody uses in general, you can try one of those videos and then produce something that is really addressing the pain points, the limitations, things that people really need this app to do, but it doesn't quite do yet. How do you find workarounds? So those can be really mm. powerful. Yeah. Well, so I feel silly now because you mentioned a resource on Zoom that I should be paying attention to since, you know, 99% of our clients at PlexiCam are probably using Zoom <laughs> or I'd say 100% because it's the most popular platform out there right now, which still amazes me. Um, but that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, you go. There are places where people hang out on any topic you can imagine, whether it's Reddit or Quora, potentially, or YouTube. I mean, just 
find where people, yeah, where people are asking questions, that's mm -hmm. fantastic. You can just create create a sh some short bits of content. Like there's a woman on TikTok who's like the the Excel queen. I, I don't remember what her yeah. username is. Oh my is. god! Yes, but that's exactly. She's making a killing. <laughs> Makes, yeah. What's her name? Yeah, Norton. Her name. Oh uh, yeah, I have. I will think of her name for for the okay. end. Of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's making but, a I mean, killing, doing yeah, really fun did. stuff. Yeah. Right. So I think so. And actually, so part of the part of the reason I wore this sweater today is uh, it's a so it's an ugly sweater takeoff on the Beatles, the four Beatles. And um, so one, we should talk about collaboration and two personality. So, I, you know, mm -hmm. I, so because we both know Mark Bowden, I, I was tempted. Should I put on a suit jacket and pretend like a Mark? But I'm not Mark and I hate suits. So why would I do that? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I have a music background. So why not celebrate it? it's Christmas, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, if you want to attract a following, you have to take a stand. Mm -hmm. And part of that these days is, you know, like, look at the last two years of working from home. People are, you know, have gotten used to not commuting and it might take an hour each way to commute, like in the Boston area where, where we are. Right. Um, I certainly don't miss that. You know, things like if you're a clothing uh, producer, sales of pants have dropped off severely <laughs> in the last two years because the, the customers said, we don't need that because all anybody sees is this, right? When, right. I'm, when I'm on a, a Zoom call. Um, so take a stand, you know, have a personality because it's, you need to do something to stand out from the noise and you don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to, you don't have to be offensive. You don't, you know, you don't have to do anything illegal, but if you take a stand and you reinforce that um, and you actually, part of engagement from your audience means that you have to engage with them as well. Mm -hmm. You can't just assume you put, it might be killer content. You post it. It's awesome. You know, everybody you've talked to before that and outside in the real world has said it's fantastic. And then you do nothing whatsoever to let people know that it exists, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, on most platforms, you can tag some people that are that, you know, might help to jumpstart things. Mm -hmm. You can't just hit hit publish. You're done. Go have a coffee because nothing probably nothing's going to happen, especially very early on. So I think mm -hmm. that's having a personality, you know, like what Mark talks about, what I'm doing with my background, your background. It shows some sort of insights into how people think, what they're into, and that is a great way to break down some barriers that make it sort of, you know, for some people, it, you and I are the experts, right? That's why we're talking, and they're too timid or whatever. They, they, they don't want to reach out. But if you make yourself approachable, mm -hmm. then it's much easier to have that ongoing conversation and engagement. For sure. And I just remember the young lady's name, um, Kat Norton is the Excel queen on TikTok. And I love go. what, you know, what you said about having that personality, because in the in, in the sea of sameness, you know, you can actually stand out if you have not just being an expert, having all these tremendous amount of value or talk faster. But what what Kat, oh, Kat Norton, <laughs> so what Kat did was that she started dancing and started making Excel really fun. And she would dance to these uh, uh, different soundtracks on uh, soundtracks on TikTok as well. So people start to listen to it. I mean, Excel is stressful. If you guys have ever, you know, uh, really delve into Excel like I did, it's, it's not always fun. There's certain things that don't work. They're unintuitive, but she did it that way. But I also like, Dan, what you said about having someone to jumpstart, not just someone, maybe a team of people to jumpstart. So um, I would love to kind of talk about maybe the, 
launch team, which is a very popular concept right now, whether you have a, a launch the book or a course, doesn't matter, or new product, new pants, you have your launch team. It doesn't even have to be 10,000 people. I mean, how many of us really have 10,000 people who are super fans or true fans? You could have literally yeah. start with right, 10, 50, 100 people, and those people will write your reviews. They'll give you honest uh, product feedback. And guess what? Like people notice when you thank those people, involve them, maybe interview them as part of your book, part of your course. And then those yeah. people become a natural advocates when your product launches and they go just sell them uh, very naturally. Right. They're, they're part of the process. Right. Yeah. No, they, there's definitely something about feeling like you're part of the team, part of something bigger than yourself. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's sort of, I mean, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but um I don't remember when I interviewed Dan Pink about Drive, I believe it was. Uh, so that was probably 10 years ago, maybe. Uh, so he talks about AMP, Autonomy, Mastery, and Purpose. And part of the purpose is, can you find people who have a similar enough mind that they want to support what you want to do? <laughs> and um, maybe that's it's not their purpose in life to help you <laughs> make money or to get, you know grow your audience. But by giving them some reason other than just the pure content to want to care about you and, and to actually help support you, that is a wonderful thing. And it tends to become a mutual piece. Like I started podcasting back in 2006, and then I stupidly stopped doing it about three years later because it was hard to, to keep up with the pace and I got bored slightly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the people that I've interviewed, I'm friends with the vast majority of them, and I've stayed in touch with uh, all, all except the very first one uh, that I did was one of the uh, co-founders of LinkedIn who left. And I was terrified mm -hmm. to pronounce his name, by the way. It's Konstantin Gerica. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I repeated that for like 30 minutes before I interviewed him. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, uh, but, you know, having those, it, there's, there's definitely some reciprocity that, that goes on, which is, if you follow Dr. Cialdini, the sort of godfather of persuasion, that's one of the six rules of persuasion. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some creepy uses of reciprocity, like giving a gift, expecting that just because you gave it to them, that they actually want it. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's more to it than just kind of skin level. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you can involve in people, I, I, one thing I'm very proud of, when we wrote the Gen Z effect, we the, the good and bad of publishing a book through a traditional publisher anyhow is, like we were done in April, I think, end of March, April. The book didn't come out until November. Mm. That's a long span, you know, in internet yeah. years, that's a long time, right? So, um, you know, so we, the, the good news is that it gave us a long ramp to build up an audience that would support us. So we, we would send out free copies, uh, which is very useful. We'd ask for feedback. A lot of it was built on interviews in the first place. So we already had a natural a set of audience who had been involved and were mentioned. So of course they would want to take advantage of that too. But the secret sauce for that launch was I found an artist on Fiverr back when things on Fiverr were closer to $5 instead of what they are now. $500. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, which is fine. You know, I mean, if they're worth it, it's worth it. But uh, I found somebody who could do avatars that were uh, like 2d representations. So it was very stylized. The colors of the book were black and red and white. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had custom-made avatars done for everybody that we interviewed and people that we sent out free copies of books to, early reviewers. And 
a lot of them are still using that avatar that I gave them as their avatar on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And that was wow. 2014. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that I think that's going above and beyond how most people do it. Um, but, and I wish, I wish I'd thought of doing that way earlier <laughs> in life. Cause uh, I'm surprised at how many of those I still see out there. Like I don't even use it anymore, even though it's really well done, <laughs> but mm -hmm. that, you know, a little gift like that, that's personalized that can help them in their own branding. And it's a unique thing so that they seem unique in a sea of, you know, guys in suits on LinkedIn, for example. And that's, that's pretty cool. Cause then that's, that really is a gift that gives them something to remind them of their interaction with you. Yeah. I love that. Like remembering that interaction with you sounds trivial, but it's not anymore. I mean, we talk about like YouTube subscribers, are not that loyal to your channel. Well, they can be because they have 300 other uh, subscriptions <laughs> yeah. on YouTube. Right. And then at home, they got Netflix and Disney Plus. So remembering you and having giving them a reason to remember you is important. So uh, Dan, I'd love to explore maybe the second part of this, which is related to retention or uh, having, you know, what can we do once we created a product, especially if it's a course or membership site that people don't abandon us? Like how do we proactively continue to, you know, create value on a regular basis. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think it's, it's not talked about as much, but there was a stretch there where gamification came up every five minutes and, um, as a gamer and, you know, I, that's fine by me, <laughs> but it turned, <laughs> it turned off some people. The, the takeaway though, part of the reason that I'm interested in gamification and tactics like that Game design, and I know several game designers, a guy that used to work for me, um, he decided to stop doing normal computer programming and did a year and a half long intensive uh, training session in Vancouver, uh, the Vancouver Film Institute, I think it was. And he's since worked for Rockstar and uh, Sega and a whole bunch of companies. And I know some other people that have been around for a long time. So it's, uh, you know, designing a game, it's more than making the graphics look good. It has to be playable. You have to care enough to want to play it for an extended period because in games, the money is is the money up front is pretty significant because games are expensive, you know, sixty to a hundred dollars if you're buying them for a console or something. Mm -hmm. But the real money is in the DLCs, the downloadable content that are extras to extend the season. You know, there's now there's seasons and Fortnite is up to, I don't know, season twelve or something crazy. Wow. But if you don't engage people up front, they're never going to give you uh, their money over time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, the Black Ops franchise, for example, has been around for, I think, 15 years, something like that. It's made billions of dollars. Almost every version of that game looks pretty much the same <laughs> as uh, for every other one, which is a little bit annoying. But uh, it's because they keep it fresh. So you need to think about when you're creating content for a course or a you know mastermind or whatever. It, you, you don't just you, you don't launch the boat and watch it go off into the sunset. You need to like who fell overboard and needs help. You know, there, there might be some things that you need to do to keep people engaged. Like um, I forget the woman's name. There's a copy. Uh, there's a copy guru. She has a course called Copy School, I believe it is. Oh, and um, it's uh, it's super well done. And. Mm -hmm. Part of that is if the, the original content is great, but content as a you know copy as a, a profession 
is constantly changing. I mean, there's core concepts that are sort of timeless and were discovered, you know, 100 years ago or so. But if you're going to like the trend is towards writing shorter, punchier, more informal content. Mm -hmm. So seeing examples that happened today, instead of looking back on like the classic advertising books from the 1920s, we're not selling, you know, women's girdles and, uh, you know, big bulbous steel cars anymore. <laughs> it's a it's a totally different world. So keeping it fresh, taking the feedback, you know, maybe you create some some mini updates periodically for your course mm -hmm. so that you can honestly say, you know, as of the latest, if you're doing SEO, for example, the latest Google changes to the algorithms are confirmed to have hit last month. Here's what we found. Here's 10 minutes. And that mm -hmm. keeps your content that otherwise might die in the vine pretty quickly because mm -hmm. it, it changes all the time, right? So if, if you don't share that you care enough to keep your content updated and relevant, why should your customers care? Mm, that's a good point. Like you need to show that you care and knowing that a lot of the, a lot of people don't want to create courses because it's a lot of work. Let's face it. Yeah. Uh, not just the, it's actually exactly like you said, Dan, it's not really the initial phase. Sure. You have to plan, but a lot of us create content based on the content and information we're already familiar with. Like, I think I can probably okay. record a zoom, zoom webinar, one-on-one -on -one course, uh, just in my sleep. And, but to really delve into the limitations, the audio, the syncing issues and things that are really not natively designed for, for them to really work with zoom. Um, yeah. really, you know, people need a lot of stuff, people, uh, coming from, I would say like orchestras and also who are, you know, singing teachers to say, Faye, how can I do this with zoom? This, you know, the short answer is like zoom is really isn't designed for that. And you need to find certain workarounds, you need an audio right. interface. Are you willing uh, to invest that time and money to learn that? Um, so that's really interesting that, that the way that I want to always engage with people who follow me for whatever reason or never purchase a thing. I want them to just feel like they, they're gaining tremendous amount of value from this. And especially during the pandemic, I think I feel like everything is so polarized and, you know, everything is urgent. It's important. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love using myself as a, as a guinea pig there. Um, uh, Dan, I, I do have like, I think maybe something like an even more specific question as well for me that I'm currently, for instance, uh, developing uh, the called the, the ultimate guide to Zoom, Zoom webinar 2022. And oh, okay. yeah, so I'm, you know, I like, frankly, right now, this phase, the phase I'm in is probably the hardest because it will come out in January. So very soon. But I got to be honest, I went from being feeling very, very excited about the course. Oh, I got this. I got I got over a million views on my Zoom videos on YouTube. I got this. And then, I, of course, I went to Udemy and to Teachable and saw all the dozens of Zoom basic courses that already exist. Yeah. And um, so I then thought to myself, okay, how, you know, who is my avatar? Like, who am I really trying to target? And so there's that moment, you know, I think I'm getting a little bit more clarity now and speaking with you uh, and just calming myself down to say, you know, with everything we just talked about, there's something that I can uniquely provide uh, to the world. Like how, um, I guess the question here, uh, without getting too specific, is like, how do you think people can help themselves understand that um, it, it, there is no original content anymore? Something probably has been done. Um, yeah. I, done by a very famous person, people, or with large followers <laughs> and influence. Like, why should you yeah. do it? What's your angle? Right. Yeah, so th there's a phrase, uh, standing on the shoulders of giants, that 
I've always liked, I definitely didn't quite get it earlier on when I first heard it, but, um, you know, the vast majority, I mean, there's, there's some famous quotes that I, I, I would mangle if I attempted them directly, but, you know, um, like Einstein was a patent clerk, right? He didn't learn about relativity while looking at other people's patents. He came up with that himself, but there was a basis of physics and, and everything else that's wrapped onto that, that he could then leap off of to go into a different direction. Uh, plus, you know, there's, you know, like there's, um, we've all had teachers that we, maybe they knew the material fantastic, but they hated you or you hated them, or there was some friction and it's just not the right fit, right? Like I, I, I remember having a, a teacher for trigonometry. I don't remember anything at all that he said, cause he sounded like the teacher from Ferris Bueller's day off. <laughs> I think he hypnotized us all for that year. Cause I don't know if anybody actually got anything out of it. No <laughs> idea what my grade was, but it was, that was not pleasant. And that's probably what helped to turn me off of continuing down to any more complicated math because it was just so painful. But, mm -hmm. you know, different for, you know, some people, I think it's funny. I think in the last two years, I've, as we've gotten used to the fact that, you know, most people have been thrust into Zoom totally unawares. They didn't plan on it. They maybe didn't even heard of Zoom. They didn't worry about cameras because they had one on a laptop, which seemed good enough until you, all you ever see of them is their nose or their forehead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you, there are different there are personalities, there's styles. Some people insist that they can only learn by reading, some only by doing, some only through video, some through audio. So there's lots of reasons. Like you could take the same, you could literally take the same content and have 10 different people deliver it in various means, and it would do different things for different people. So mm -hmm. I think getting to the avatar piece, that's been, that's been, you know, I've learned way more since we launched Plexicam a little about you know, a little over a year ago. We knew because it was created by Tom, my partner, who's a very good, you know, professional keynote speaker. And I, I, I do professional speaking, but uh, totally he's way, <laughs> way better than I am. But we both care about how are you perceived on the other end? So mm -hmm. the initial target audience that we thought would resonate with professional speakers. And we happen to know a ton of other professional speakers because there's a big world. You know, mm -hmm. you could hire 10,000 people as pro speakers that are going to talk about innovation. Are they going to talk about the innovation that you particularly care about? Who knows? Probably not. Mm -hmm. So it's the same with us. So we found that audience cares because the way that they present themselves and the way that they're perceived is it's all up to them now, right? If they walked mm -hmm. on a big stage, there's a whole crew behind the, behind the curtains that's taking care of them with lights and microphones and mm -hmm. cues and the big monitors for confidence, all that kind of stuff. But when it's just you and your camera and mm -hmm. you didn't have any of the equipment that you need, they desperately needed solutions, mm -hmm. at least ones that realized virtual presentations are a thing. <laughs> Some right. decided, you know, I'm just going to wait until this is all over. I don't, I, that seems like a bad approach that we could talk about, but, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, um, it's just, it's, it, that, that started. And then it's, a, we've worked very hard at word of mouth. So mm -hmm. we try to have great customer service. And if it's not great, by the way, it's my fault. And if it is great, it's you can you can praise me because <laughs> I'm the one that does all the calls and all the emails. Um, but we try to really bake into it's the I guess the entire thing to me is whatever it is that you're doing, you're creating an experience, and you mm -hmm. need to decide what that experience should be. Mm -hmm. And 
different audiences, different avatars have different expectations. So professional speakers, you know, some of them make $100,000 for an hour talk mm -hmm. on a big stage. Some make more, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, we're, we're not we're not a $5 product. We're not a $1,000 product. Mm -hmm. We're somewhere in the middle, but sort of a premium because mm -hmm. our design is unique. And professional speakers, they're like, that looks cool, bye. Yeah. There's not much of the decision process. And they've probably seen other speakers demonstrate it. So we already have credibility from that perspective. Other audiences, like we have, we have therapists and telehealth, you know, doctors and nurses and telehealth professional or health professionals that need to do telehealth. And they certainly weren't set up to do that stuff from home until it was the only option there was to do that. Mm -hmm. So they care about different things because they don't make $100,000 an hour <laughs> or 20 or you know, five, whatever. So to them, can they get reimbursed by their company? What's the right fit? How can they get it? So maybe the hospital they work for can buy it for them, which is a very hard sell. Mm -hmm. So it depends on, you know, how do you, part of it is how do you value your time? And, you know, like I know that you've, you've watched and created yourself. There's a ton of information out there, but do you have the time to watch a thousand hours of YouTube videos to try to figure out how to put your camera in the right place <laughs> and yeah. all that kind of stuff? So, you know, talking to their fears and what, what's the ultimate thing that they're trying to get to and what's the value of doing that. Like the therapists that I've talked to that are clients of ours, you know, it makes a huge difference because, you know, depression has skyrocketed during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And if you can get eye contact with your patient on the other end who's already suffering anyhow, now you have a chance to have that connection that's going to help them get well. Yeah, now you mentioned, I think it's absolutely relevant. I need to grab it real quick to demonstrate. Sure. <laughs> um, I have thought that this was <laughs> right next to me, but I, I have to say like just the design looks so simple, but it looks trivial, but it's not. I mean, this is the hook where you can put it on your computer anywhere. I love the fact that it works for both like laptop as well as computer. I have the, I think the 29 inch iMac. And on the other side, this is a slider that just goes up and down. It's so funny. It goes up and down very easily because of adjusting different heights, a different people of different height, as well as the size of your computer, as well yep. as the fact that it gives you just enough resistance, right? Because it can't actually slide right off if you are having your cell phone there where some of the you know, webcams are there, they're light, but it's still weight. If literally put something yeah. on, it slide right off. So there are a lot of thoughts um, that goes into this. And I love when Mark Bowden um, kind of, you know, demo this on his video, I, on his YouTube channel, it took me about five seconds to make the decision to say how, I don't care how much this costs, I'm getting it. Cause <laughs> you know, with this, I'm able to, you know, present to my 5,000 person Zoom webinar. And I told that very client about, why he and all his moderators should get this particular setup. Also, I'm using a Logitech Brio. So that's that's a combination that's yeah. like match made in heaven situation. So yeah, this is uh, this is brilliant. But what I'm hearing also is like you've done a lot of trial and error and then really finding out not only how to design the product, but who to sell it to. And speakers, moderators, hosts, as well as therapists are huge. Like I, I, I'm very open about like mental health. Like this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. But I said, this is precisely now why I want to be able to work with a therapist on an ongoing basis. So I do. And I noticed that how important it is for me to realize that she's, she's paying attention, not just to me, but to our conversation as opposed to, right. you know, she's look, she's like writing some things down. She's like, 
having fun, you know, like completely distracted. It is, yeah. it is crazy. It feels terrible on the other end. It's worse yeah, than in person. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, that's, I mean, this, we, we haven't done studies on this, but, uh, who's, uh, oh, uh, do you know David Mirren Scott? He's, he's written a ton of marketing books. He's from the Boston area as well. He's a oh. Grateful Dead fan. Uh, What's his last name again? On, uh, David Meerman Scott. Oh, Meerman Scott. Oh, I have he's, to look He's written a, a ton of marketing books. He's he's pretty well known. Um, cool. But he he mentioned so he's he's a client. He has a you know a crazy expensive home studio because mm-hmm. that's where he wants to take things to. Um, and he doesn't necessarily use PlexiCam in that setting, but when he's traveling, he takes it with him. When he's at you know at a different house that he has that does not have the huge studio built in it, he doesn't want to not be able to do video that's quality. Uh, and he's like, like he's on a lot of board meetings for companies that he's involved with. Still wants to look like he's paying attention, that mm-hmm. it, but it's not overblown, so put, people don't, you know, like if I enter into a these days it's not as much of a problem. But you know, if you or I jump into a Zoom meeting with a bunch of people that have spent nothing on a, a background camera lights any of that kind of stuff it's a little bit jarring mm-hmm. and to me it's I, I, like should i apologize that you know <laughs> i look mm-hmm. significantly crisper than uh, than other people but mm-hmm. you know it's the the investment that you make there's part of it is this whole thing about mirror neurons which mm-hmm. is triggered mostly by what you see in the face mark i'm sure mark could correct me and go on and on <laughs> in a lot of different details on this but, you know, the mirror neurons, that's what make you know, if you smile, people tend to smile back at you. It's yeah. kind of a core factor. But if, you know, if I turn and I'm talking to you off to the side, yeah. Yeah. then it feels like I've instantly shut a switch off. And now you yeah. feel like Dan's an idiot. Why is he talking to the screen? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's so awkward that I've actually had the entire Zoom meeting with, uh, you know, people turn to the side. And then the funny thing is they're actually looking at me on screen. But yeah. They're, you know, for whatever reason, the setup is that, that they're not really looking at you. Um, yeah, that that is so brilliant. And I want everybody to like, ch- just check it out. Um, the, you know, like your website is also kind of, I think, one of a kind that reminds me a lot of the it's very like, to me, like very Boston Cambridge, like where scientists will create these sites <laughs> that there's a lot of their their thoughts I went into it. and it's not trying to be flashy, but it's very, very highly functional. Um, in that sense. So, you know, I kind of felt nostalgic, like looking at it. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting this product now. Yeah. I think that's good. I'll take it. No, it's, 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 it's good because it, I think it's, it's very convincing. Uh, of course, having Mark Bowden to explain uh, like an expert to speak to the product directly helps, but the website definitely is confirming that what the product actually does. You know, there are a lot of super fancy flashy website but like after a little while i mean who has more than seven seconds on a on a you know random site and they they have no right. idea you know they're not sure if they're getting the solution that they're looking for so i think right. it's, it's done very well in terms of content and communication on your site um mm, thank you yeah so i know that we're kind of up um to the the time that we have booked dan is there anything that you would like to speak to whether it's related to course content creation building a community and audience or product development design you'd like to share with our audience today yeah so just to tie it to the to the uh sweater again so 
Um, I'm a huge believer in collaboration. Um, you know, there's n nobody can do it all. Most people can't do it all anyhow. So mm -hmm. being able to tap into other people's strengths, you should do that whenever possible. Like, thank God Tom and I are partners so that he can do things that I'm definitely not good at. And I can do things that he's not good at or just things neither one of us wants to do so we can hand off. But mm -hmm. specifically on building an audience, uh, one thing that I found, you know, I created the platform that I talked about earlier. There was an e-discovery course on that. There was a um, social networking analysis course that was on that as well. And then there was an innovation course that was super specialized for only a certain class of people. E-discovery mm -hmm. sold zero. It didn't cost me anything to create that because it was content that another expert that I knew provided. Um, and same with all of these courses. Actually, none of my content was on the, on the platform because I never got around to it because we were making money through these partnerships. So we mm -hmm. pulled from their respective audiences to one platform to create a bigger offering than we could do on our own, just me and my partner at the time. And that's a beautiful thing. You, sh you should not have to Nobody should try to create their own audience from purely from scratch. Mm -hmm. So if you can get on on the radar of, you know, sometimes it's mini influencers, micro influencers, mm -hmm. people that you know, whatever, you know, get engaged in their audience. So you're already known, potentially, mm -hmm. uh, you're personally known by that person who owns that audience. And that's a very, it's much more efficient way to get to the point where you have enough volume in your audience. Mm -hmm. that you can get data back to know if you should launch or what's really important in that first launch or, or any of those sorts of situations and maybe find your own budding super fans that are buried in there that who they would not have found you probably if you weren't hanging out where they were already. So mm -hmm. collaborations for audience building is huge. I think it's way under tapped. You don't have to start from zero and never talk to another human being. Talk to other people that have done even what you're, exactly what you're planning because mm -hmm. unless they're scared, um, most people are open to collaboration. It's just when it's not presented to them, they're not going to think of it because they're busy. But mm -hmm. if you can help them spread the word, comment on their posts on LinkedIn or whatever, that is a huge way to shave a ton of time off for your own efforts and build up an audience much faster, potentially creating content as well. Yeah. I, I love the summary. Absolutely. Thank you so much for recapping um, our discussion points today. And yeah. I welcome anyone, everyone to, you know, share your comments, your questions. If you like what you've heard so far, let us know, you know, what's your one takeaway and share with one more person, maybe a colleague, a friend, really help us tremendously. So with that said, Dan, I'm going to take us offline, but please don't go anywhere. Okay. All right. Bye, <laughs> live audience. Bye. Thank See you, you tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.